Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of BU with Declan Edwards. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, I did want to take an opportunity to thank each and every one of you who are listening. I was actually at an event last night and had three different people come up to me in the room and say, hey, I'm loving the podcast. I'm loving these episodes. And it makes such a difference to me when I get that feedback and when I know we're making an impact through this. So thank you so much. I do have a favor to ask before we jump into the episode on whatever you're listening to or watching this on. We are on YouTube with this now as well. Make sure you hit subscribe. So subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Anchor because every single subscriber does help us spread this ripple effect. It helps us impact a trillion lives starting with self and it does make a difference. If you do have time, it does make a massive difference and impact to us as well if you can quickly write a little sentence about why you love the podcast. So with all that said, we're going to jump into this week's episode. And this week's episode is incredible. We have the amazing Katie Holloway in who is a naturopath. She's a nutritionist and she's a herbalist. And she's someone who shares the same vision as us at BU and some of the same pet peeves as well. And and passions about what needs to be changed in our approach to mental health and well-being. Katie and I go deep in this episode on anxiety. We talk a lot about some of the contributing factors to anxiety. We talk a lot about the system that's set up at the moment and how it's not serving people well. We also talk about how people can begin to change that and take their first steps to really looking after their health and well-being in a way that is holistic rather than just ticking boxes. So make sure you listen to the whole episode. It's an absolutely incredible. With that said, we are going to jump straight into it now and we're going to welcome Katie to the podcast. Okay, Katie, thank you so much for coming in today and and hobbling through the front door. I know you've got an injury, so I appreciate you coming in. I do. Thanks for having me. Now, for our our listeners, I've got to give them the background. I've okay. got, to, got to tell them a bit about how this came to me. Yeah. <laughs> so Katie messaged me and was like, hey, have me on your podcast. And I went, done. I love it. I like someone who asks what they want. Let's go for it. So what do you want to talk about? And I don't know how we got to this point in the conversation, but at some point I said, look, I'm probably going to throw you questions about zookeeping and space travel. And if you can put those two together and do something like space monkeys, that would be amazing. And... True to Katie's form, she, she rolled with it and had a good laugh and was like, yeah, so today's podcast, guys, for those listening, we are going to spend the whole podcast talking about space monkeys, which is a little bit different. To, no, we're not really. Um, not what exactly we're go- space monkeys. <laughs> actually monkeys in a zoo in space. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, and so I love that from that conversation, we ended up going, okay, space monkeys, the monkey in our mind, anxiety. Uh, this is just how our brains work when we get together. But today we're going to have a great opportunity to get to know Katie some more, find out some more about your expertise and your perspective on anxiety and on well-being as a very holistic approach, right? Physical, mental, emotional, how it all plays together. I'm really excited for what we're going to do in this episode. But before we get into the the guts of it all, um, I would love to give you the chance to introduce yourself to our listeners. Cool. So I'm Katie, obviously. Uh, I am a naturopath, nutritionist, herbalist. I originally, when I first left high school, thought I want to be a psychologist because I thought I'm going to change um, the way, I guess, the way that that people think and um, and feel about themselves and 
about their lives and I could see a bit of a gap in that industry. And until I started studying, and I was actually working in health admin at the time, I was studying in the hospital setting, I didn't realise how much of studying psych or psychiatry at all actually I didn't realise how much of it meant you need to fit in the boxes and if you don't fit in the boxes, we'll give you a medication or give you a tool to get you back in the box. And I was kind of like, but how do you get to the, like, how do you prevent getting to that point in the first place and what does it mean to be in the box or outside the box? So I kind of realised halfway through that that post-grad psych was not going to be my thing and that that wasn't going to be preventative enough for me or a holistic enough approach. And I could see people getting stuck in the system when I was working in the hospital and I guess that's what led me to start looking outside the box of how else could I actually help people maintain and live a healthy mind, body, soul. Um, Yeah, so I started looking outside the box and I had a horse at the time that was throwing me off, like left, right and centre, as in physically throwing me off his back. Uh, And I had a few injuries from that and had kind of my whole family being like, sell the horse, you know, move on, it's going to hurt you, you can get really hurt. And I'd had a whole heap of other people come in. I'd had trainers come in that had kind of tried to dominate it out of him. I'd had um, a chiropractor. I'd had other massage therapy and all sorts of things. And then I got a hold of this lady who was did like herbal medicine for horses yeah. and did uh, bowen therapy and acupressure tea touch reiki and she transformed my relationship with my horse and i still have him to this day wow. so that was kind of like that journey was probably eight to ten years ago now when i met michelle and yeah so that was probably the other side of it so it was this personal experience with my horse most people in my industry have this personal health journey for themselves it was kind of my horse and then also seeing how psych wasn't fitting and kind of molded the two together and then I ended up studying well I wanted to be a naturopath and while I was there it was like oh you can also do nutritional medicine at the same time for only a few extra subjects and I was like yeah I'll do that so here I am. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's um I think it's so important to touch on what you said with the whole it has, it's unfortunately an industry that's about having people in boxes. Yeah. And if you're not in the box and there's something wrong with you, and if there's something wrong with you, we have to fix you. And the standard yes. way these days to fix someone is we'll give them a pharmaceutical. Now it's not to say that that doesn't work in some cases. It is a useful tool. Yeah. But we need different tools for different outcomes, right? Like you don't just build a house with a hammer. Yeah. And then that's all you do, right? We need to have this selection of toolkits and have this much broader perspective. And I know before we started filming today, you and I were having a chat. We're very passionate about this and we, we yeah. share a lot of interest in this. And you mentioned knowledge is power. Like yeah. If we can just empower people with a broader perspective on yeah. what's going on for them, it empowers them to make more choice. And we come across it all the time. Yeah. I mean, so often we, we come across people who have tried more traditional approaches like traditional psychology or psychiatry yep. for years, not really got in anywhere with it. And then they're coming to us and like, to be honest, we had no idea there was another option. Yeah. We just thought this was it. And we were frustrated because we we're doing it for years, banging up against a wall. We didn't realize there were other options. And I think it's, it's being spoken about a little bit more these days, but it definitely is coming more often. Um, specifically with anxiety. Yeah. Obviously now one of the most common uh, mental health concerns and emotional struggles. Yeah. Um, depending on the degree, you know, obviously chronic anxiety, social anxiety, how it all comes up. But there are so many people these days either diagnosed or self-diagnosed yeah. saying they're struggling with it 
And so often we see people go, okay, well, this is just something I have. Genetically, there's something wrong with my brain and this is, and I just need to be on a pill to fix it. Yep. And they don't actually look at those other options of going, okay, that might be the case for some people. I think some of the research is saying about one in 10 people on yep. medication will actually benefit from it. Yeah. So for the other nine in 10, like what else is contributing to this? And I'd love to throw it to you and go, what do you find are the contributors yeah. that could contribute to, to someone feeling quite anxious? Yeah. So possibly a few things on that. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is you saying people presenting with this, like, I didn't know there was another option. Yeah. I just really wanted to mention that that's something I hear in clinic all the time. Wow, I didn't even know that that was a consideration mm. and how simple it could be to look outside the box and find some solutions that are really trans- transformational that they've never been exposed to. So that's like a really important point because that comes up for me with clients all the time and it's why I really enjoy this area of health, mental health, because there's so many options outside the box and it is so transformational for people to see the options. So that's one thing. When you mentioned um, medication use, yeah. really cool point, which we did mention before we started this as yeah. well, is that one in 10 people that actually benefit from the use of pharmaceutical medications yeah. for depression or anxiety Um I'm sure that you would have seen before there, if you actually turn over the box or the leaflet of an SSRI, so a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, so that's your, your sta- one of your standard medications for anxiety or depression, one of the actual uh, side effects listed is that it could actually increase the risk of anxiety, depressive patterns or suicide. Yes. Okay. I've seen that and gone, hang on, this is yeah. the thing you're telling me it's yeah. going to help with, but you're now telling me the risk is it might make it worse. Yes. <laughs> Now, one of the links to that, um, it's out of my scope to comment on pharmaceuticals Mm -hmm. and and the dosage of them and the length of time, et cetera, in general. But what we do know is that one of the key drivers for some of those symptoms being increased is that the use of those medications deplete the same nutrients that are required for optimum mental health. So if we take somebody who's already low in some of our B vitamins, for example, that we know make us being being depleted in those B vitamins can make us more prone to symptoms like anxiety. And then we pop them on an SSRI and they get more depleted in those nutrients. That's the person who the SSRI might not be working so well for or might work for three to six months and then that chronic depletion can mean the cycle goes and, and what do we in. see in that cycle, right? Three or six months they go back, it's like, yep. hey, it's not working anymore and the solution dose is up. dose goes up, right? Yes. And, I'm, and I've always looked at that and gone, in no other field of medicine, in no other yep. field of health, yep. do they go, oh, the tool's not working. Yep. You know what we should do? Increase Double it. it. Like, yeah. Like, yep. It seems so foreign, yep. like, but somehow that's become the standard, Yeah. which needs to be shaken up. 100%. So it's a little bit controversial when we start talking about that, but I guess the key take-home from that is that One, if you're on an SSRI to consider those nutrients and that supplementation of those nutrients might actually be the key to making that medication work for you Mm. or meaning that you don't remain on that medication for as long. And that's, to me, the ultimate goal is that we wouldn't need, um, that they're useful in acute situations for some people. Definitely there is a time and a place, like any medication, same as a blood pressure medication or something like that. But the key is what's the underlying cause and can we then 
function without the medication and be at our optimum rather than reliant on a pharmaceutical. Yeah, and sort so, of band-aid it, right? Yeah, like exactly. I know um, James Davies in his great book Cracked on, on psychotherapy and, yeah. and psychiatry, he says a little bit controversially, he goes, I hope that in 20 years' time we look at what we're doing with pharmaceuticals the same way we looked at lobotomies and the same way we now look at electroshock therapy. Yeah. You know, because really what we're doing, they have their time and place, but for the majority of people on them, we're giving them a chemical straitjacket. Yeah. And yeah. as soon as he says those words, I'm like, oh, yeah, shit. Like, it's, it, it sort of hits the heart. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that is what's happening in the industry at large. And it, it's so powerful that there's professionals like yourself and obviously what we're doing with BU and the other people who we have on the podcast who are going, well, hang on, there's other ways to approach our well-being. Yes. Yeah. You mentioned, obviously, nutrients have a role to play. Yeah. What are some of the other ways that you tend to find as well? Yeah, so the other one of the other big key drivers, particularly again, still linked to that medication use, is uh, gut health. I guess for mental health. Now, gut health is really important. One of the biggest ones we could talk for hours. So, yes. But one of the biggest keys to know is that ninety percent of your receptor sites for serotonin are located in your gut. Now, if you were taking like an SSRI that was um, encouraging your body to have excess serotonin running around, so it's it's boosting the amount of serotonin that's running around, um, but yet you're not producing enough of it because you're missing the cofactors, yeah. you're missing some of the nutrients that, that actually build serotonin, then, again, you're back in that cycle of like how am I going to get the cofactors in to produce the serotonin for the medication to work? Yeah. So even if then somebody's not on that medication, can we go back a step and say, well, what if we just boosted the cofactors for serotonin, some of those nutrients, and therefore hopefully boosted the serotonin levels? Now, having good gut health means that we're absorbing things from our food that are such cofactors. So most of our foods obviously are going to contain nutrients if we're eating nice nutrient-dense food and getting um, the amino acids and getting some of the nutrients out of our food like zinc and iron and some of the B vitamins, uh, I guess, is the un- underlying fundamental to producing a hormone or yeah. a neurotransmitter like serotonin. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, I guess, gut health is another a, a big, big area. Um, yeah, so gut health, nutrients, yep. absorbing enough of those nutrients getting enough of those nutrients mm. in and looking at the other ways, I guess, um, looking at the other reasons why some of those nutrients might be depleted. So um, another really good example is females on the oral contraceptive pill. Yep. So the oral contraceptive pill will deplete certain nutrients, including zinc and B6. Zinc and B6 are another essential two nutrients for optimum mental health. So we know if they get low, that people are more prone to things like anxiety and depressive symptoms. So yeah, there's lots of links there with gut health and nutrients. And I know you mentioned before we started hormones as well playing a role in it. Yeah, like sleep and recovery and exercise and movement. And yeah, there's so much that, and obviously, um, you know, the things that are more perception based and response based, like what we do with BU, like how are your yeah. social circles and relationships, how are you going with handling pressure at work, and. Looking at all those factors, I think what the big message here is it's not as cut and dry or easy as you're not ticking these boxes, therefore you need this solution that's just generic, we're going to roll it out to anyone, three to six months from now we're going to double that. Yeah. It's not as cut and dry as just this like one pathway. I I say this so often on the podcast, I feel like a broken record, but I'm like nobody has the one-size-fits-all answer to 7.8 billion people on the planet. Yeah. I don't think we do, I don't think you do, I don't think you know any industry does. And so when we start having this more 
holistic and, and broad and collaborative approach. Yes. Everyone wins. Yeah. Everyone's more beneficial. Yeah, definitely. And I know it's something that you're a massive believer and an advocate for. I mean, I know we're both partnered with the Movement Collective and the yeah. amazing work that they do as well. Yeah. Um, I'm fascinated. I'd love to know what got you looking at, I know you mentioned like with your horse and stepping into the space, but as you're doing it, I'm imagining there's been a few times along the path where yeah. you're like, shit, this is it. Yeah. Like this is making a difference. This is making an impact. Yeah. Now, obviously confidentiality, you can't give us, you know, names or terrain specifics, but yeah. I'd love to hear some examples of like just those moments where you're like, wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. So I think uh, the biggest thing for me is whilst I say that, my journey started with the yeah, things like the yeah. horse looking outside the box and um, wanting to come from that more preventative approach. Yes. There's nothing like a client sitting in front of you who yeah. hasn't been able to find the answers and you making a suggestion that will literally transform their life. It's that moment, as you said, of like I didn't even know that existed or that yeah. that was a contributor. Now, I did have a client this morning that was a perfect example of this and funnily enough, she did have links to a disorder that we know um, is very associated with mental health. Mm-hmm. And this disorder is one of the genetic, uh, genetic, I guess, what do you call it? Like a, the gen- a yeah, genetic underlying, yeah, yeah, predisposition, yeah, 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 a genetic disorder that's predisposed, um, mm-hmm. predisposes people to having some mental health symptoms going on, and that was Pyrrhal's disorder. Now, we've sent her off for some testing, so we've taken an educated guess that that's what she has. Pyrrhal's is um, something that affects um, more and more people I'm seeing clinic. I'm not exactly sure on the percentage, yeah. but haemoglobin that you would know in yes. our blood results so hemoglobin is um the little guy who carries around our oxygen and our red blood cells yeah so when we produce hemoglobin we spit out as a byproduct this thing called pyrols it's um there is a big word for it yeah but the easiest way to see it is just pyrols uh-huh. right we spit out pyrols in some people they spit out too many pyrols and these pyrols bind to zinc Uh B6 and omega-6 fatty acids and also biotin, but it's a little bit less important in this case, but zinc, B6 and omega-6 fatty acids. Now, if they're binding to those and carrying them out of the body, no matter how much you eat, if you have pyrroles, no matter how much you have coming in, sometimes it's just not enough to keep Mm -hmm. up with these pyrroles carrying it out. So what we end up seeing is zinc getting really, really low And copper, which is the guy who's in a nice little tight ratio of zinc, going really, really high. Now, what we know about copper is that copper is a neurotoxin to the brain, okay? So it will overstimulate the brain. And what we see in people with this pyrroles disorder, some of the symptoms of that copper rising is extreme anxiety, patterns of OCD-type behaviour, emotional outbursts in children, so like the children that go from 0 to 100 sensitivity to light, sensitivity to sound. So, like, if you're the person who's, like, annoyed at the other person just at the other end of the table who's chewing, you're just like, I can hear you <laughs> chewing. Um, and that's actually a common theme for you. Things like a little bit of um, mild nausea in the morning or not wanting to eat breakfast first thing in the morning, uh, often associated with digestive um, conditions like IBS or reflux yeah. because when zinc gets low, we use zinc to actually produce our stomach acid. So it's one of the cofactors yeah, for producing right. hydrochloric acid in the stomach. So you can see how, like, it really affects um, 
a really broad range of there's a really broad range of symptoms but when you start to have a client sit in front of you that's been experiencing all this stuff and they've seen like doctors and then they've had an endoscope for their IBS and they've had a colonoscopy for their IBS and then they've had um, antidepressants for the uh, de- the depression or the anxiety they've had psychology because they're an angry person and they you know have obsessive compulsive tendencies and you sit there and you put it all together and you go. I wonder, and you test their zinc and copper ratio and you go, and then we go, let's clear out that copper, give you some zinc, and I see transformation within a week. And it's like, wow, like, wow. You know, I've been taking medications, I've seen five other people, and it's like, it's not because I'm a miracle worker, it's just putting together the information. You've got the right tool for the job, right? Yeah, so it's like putting together all the symptoms. So I guess... That's one of the genetic conditions that we look at when it comes to anxiety. So, again, it's like another thing that's outside the box that wouldn't usually get spoken about in a GP consult or even at a psychologist's office, but it's um, it's definitely becoming something I'm seeing more and more in clinic and there is testing that you can do that's really easy. It's just a urine sample and it's like just to know that could transform somebody's mental health journey. And that's the stuff, coming back to your question, Yeah. That when I sit there, some that I've seen somebody that's suffering for like ten years, and then they come in, and we find something like that. It's like they just like this lady this morning cried just yeah. from the suggestion that I thought I might have an answer for her. Yeah. That's why I do what I do. So giving her that knowledge, so she feels like oh, I'm not like there's not something wrong with me. You know, there is like there's something going wrong, yeah. but it's not wrong with her. It's not it's an just, identity thing, no, right? right? It's so often, mental health becomes part of the identity. Yeah. It says you have this. Yep. This is who you are. Yep. There is something genetically wrong with your brain. It's like yep. which it's a life sentence. Yeah. They, they literally put a life sentence on. Yeah. Which I would have less of a problem with if it's like, yeah, cool. So if you're telling me this is a life sentence thing, chemical imbalance in the brain caused by genetic disposition. Cool. Test the chemical imbalance in my brain. Yeah. Show me. Yeah. Tell me what I can do about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. right? Give me some fucking solution for yeah. it or some actions. There's something to do. It's not, no, sorry, this is it. Yeah. And oh, I just love that moment that you're talking about where, where someone gets hope back. Yeah. And where there's actual vision for them to move forward and make change. Now, that's not to say that the change might be the one change that makes the world a difference, but it's something for them to get started on their journey with. And then there might be some other things that they do as well, but they've got something to apply. Yeah. Uh, And I think you mentioned, you know, you can see results in a week. Yeah. And I love the idea because we see, we've had clients who come in, tried therapy, tried uh, counseling, tried psychology for years. Yeah. Sort of gotten somewhere, but not really. And then gone back. It's just been a little bit to and fro. They work with us three months, six months. They're like, I've done more. I don't want to say one session. I got more in three years than psychology. I'm like, okay, that's really nice for us. But I I tend to explain it to them. I'm like, the difference is, so I have a block of wood. Right. And I want to cut through that block of wood. If I'm trying to use a tool that's not suitable for the job, yeah. like I'm using a butter okay. knife, yeah. maybe eventually I'll get through the block of wood. But yep. it's, A, it's going to be painful. It's going to suck. Yep. It's going to take ages. Yep. And you're going to want to give up every day. Whereas when we get the right tool for what's going on, yep. you know, we come up with a bloody bandsaw on this thing now. right? We're, we're breaking through straight away. Yeah, well, That's the only difference. We're, we're using a broad range of tools playing around with them to find the one that suits what's actually going on rather than just going, oh, you're in this box and therefore the solution is X. Yes. We yeah. need to stop treating people like these boxed options and start treating them like individuals. Yeah. And I really love that for, can I just pitch back to you? Yeah. How bloody tired would you be and what would all the side effects 
of using a butter knife be. Right? Oh, the butter would, right? So, <laughs> yeah, so like you're using a butter knife and you would be fatigued, you have muscle soreness, you probably end up And the next thing you know, they're like, okay, well, yeah. obviously there's something wrong because you're fatigued. Yeah. <laughs> so now I need to do this. In comparison to that sore, that's just like, oh. Well, that was smooth. Now it's easy. Yeah, and I'm not saying every health journey is easy and everyone has that, like, you know, moment. Yes. But there certainly can be. And you've hit the nail on the head with when I said it's not me that's the miracle worker, it's just finding the right tool. So Mm -hmm. it's like for that, for, for some people that, is it does stem from an emotional standpoint and you guys come in and you give that tool. For other people, it is something underlying like a genetic condition or a nutrient deficiency and so I'm the perfect tool for that. For other people, it is generally, uh, genuinely at an acute stage and the pharmaceutical medication does work. So I'm a naturopath but I'm so open to this integrative approach of there is a time and a place for everything and, Uh. you know, I really truly believe that Whilst I don't want to advocate anyone stays on pharmaceuticals for the rest of their life, there are times where everything can be of benefit. But understanding, and this is why I like what I do, I love what I do actually, because if I can give people information, that means they feel empowered to control their health, then the psychological benefit of that is through the roof in comparison to them seeing a health provider or a coach or whatever as their authoritative power that tells them you take these three times a day Declan and you'll feel better and then it's like but if I don't feel better well am I the still the abnormal one right yeah the problems with me not the yeah we don't blame the tool we blame ourselves that's right. right so if we can yeah if we can give information then I become the tool that you've chosen to use by seeing me. So it's all the power is in your hands and giving you information and then you feel empowered to make a choice about your health and when you make the choice and it succeeds for you, you feel even better than if I made that choice for you. And then even you if know the trained reliancy, same. right? Like yeah. it's not – so a big thing we're against the video is trained reliancy, whether that be trained reliancy on a medication, trained reliancy on a person, a yeah. therapist or a coach. Like everything is – our great success is we want you to – we call it a grateful firing. Yeah. So here's the point where like, hey, I really appreciate everything you've done for me. You've really helped me. I, I feel like I can do this for the rest of my life myself. Yeah. I don't need you anymore. Yeah. That's awesome. Sweet. That's a success yeah. story, right? Sweet. And yeah, so often it's just that idea, as you said, like the power all lies on the professional. Yeah. Rather than teaching someone to take responsibility for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, there's so much to be changed there. And, ah, we're so, so on the same wavelength with each other. Like so much I'm just like, yes, this is this is it. This yeah. is Let's start a fire and change the world, yeah. right? I want people to start doing that in the GP clinic, yeah. in the hospital, in yeah. the, you know, questioning, um, not Dr. Googling and then going back and telling yeah. the GP what yeah. you know, but more just um, can you give me more information about why that's right for me? So that's like a key question. If somebody tells you to take something, do something, um, change something, can you give me some information about why you feel that's right for me? Because then I can make a choice, yes. right? So it's like a key a key take-home is like ask that question of whoever is giving you advice. Why that. do you feel it's right for me? And what do you feel like it's going to change for me? So it's like, yeah, I just have that information to be able to decide then if I think that that's what I want, you know? So sometimes what a practitioner wants for you or what a health provider wants for you is not actually what you want. So if I could, I guess that's a really big passion point behind what I do. If I could like transform the world in, you know, the next 10 years, it would be all of our medical system looking like that, like empowered, 
clients or patients rather than authoritarian medical services. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And to spark that change sort of from grassroots up and ground up. Yeah. Um, now we've only got a couple of minutes left for you to sort of capture this. For people who are listening to this and they're really resonating with them, like, yes, that is, that is it. I get it. Like I'm so on board. Yeah. What would be their first couple of steps, like their first little baby steps to begin with? Now, obviously, it's tough when it's not individualized and we've got a whole group of listeners that you know nothing about. Yeah. But what would you say is sort of just the generic, like, look, start with this because it's a good foundation? In regards to anxiety? Yeah. Yeah. So I think number one would be, let's try and make this really easy, manageable steps, is um, I guess some baseline pathology is Mm -hmm. always a really good thing. So if you suffer from anxiety and you haven't had things like your B12, your iron checked, um, then that's a really good starting point and really important because sometimes there's something really simple there that like, yeah, that even your GP will just say, oh, your iron's low, let's give you a little bit. And some of that fatigue, restlessness, shortness of breath, heart racing, anxiety type, Physical Symptoms, presentation yeah, yeah. can just drop straight down. Yeah, perfect. So to start with is like get the information. Gather yeah. information about yourself and one of the best ways you can do that is to just get some testing done. Yeah. yeah. So get some testing, whether it be through someone like myself or your GP, step number one. Yeah. Um, I guess step number two is know your baseline. Yeah. So I think that's a really important one for knowing when things fall off track. So it doesn't mean your baseline has to be this, you know, a like amazing health standard, like everything is fantastic. But I might know that my baseline is like 8 out of 10 energy and so when that falls upward or down, it's like what did I change that week Mm. or what, um, yeah, what happened that week that kind of made me shift? And this is a really important one for like female hormones and stuff as well. So just knowing your health baseline and where you sit. So things like energy scores out of 10, like what's normal for me? What's my normal sleep pattern? So most people, when I ask this in clinic, they don't know what their normal sleep pattern is. They're like, oh, I don't know. Like what feels optimum for you, Declan? It's like how many hours of sleep do you need? Because not everyone needs eight hours of yeah. sleep, you know? So just knowing your baseline is going to be really empowering for you to know where the gaps are. Yeah. You know where the gaps are, then you can seek information. Yeah. yeah. So they, I think that would be my top Two. Yeah, and they have strong starting points. Like yeah. If you're going from those, the third one will probably start to present itself from that. Yeah, right? and it's like, like find the right – yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the third one would be like then you have an option of finding the right practitioner to fill yes. that. Yeah. yeah, so what's the next the sort tool, of step? What's the, the tool? Yeah, the, I suppose the individual pathway will become clearer once you've got those foundational steps. Done, yeah, 100%. Which is perfect. It's a great way for people to, to get going. So. Yeah. And yeah. I'm so, so grateful for you coming and spending time with us today. I, yeah. I can't wait for this episode to be released. I'm already like, yep, and we're going to put that out and we'll do this. Yeah. Obviously, this one is on. So for our listeners, it is on YouTube as well. We're going to be putting little snippets from this one out on Facebook too. Yeah, cool. But if you have listened and really resonated with this and you would like to connect with uh, Katie, where can they connect with you? Where can they find you? So they can find me on Insta or Facebook. And the Instagram is just at Katie Holohan. Uh, naturopathy so Holohan H-O-L-O-H-A-N um, same thing on Facebook or otherwise website www.katieholohan.com perfect Easy. Yep. perfect yeah. thank you so much I love it thanks for having me
Thank you so, so much to everyone who listens to this episode and spent their time investing in themselves and their well-being. I know it means a lot to Katie and it definitely means a lot to me and the entire team at BU. Now, as always, make sure you reach out and connect with our guest experts. You can do that by jumping into the BU community. So jump on Facebook and search the BU community. Katie is actually in that group. You'll be able to pick her brain and ask her questions. And of course, by following the links in the show notes so you can go interact with them as well. So for this episode, we have the links to Katie's website and to her Instagram so you can interact with her and ask her all the questions you have that may have come up from this episode. Now, as I said at the start, it does make a difference if you subscribe and you leave a review. Make sure you share these messages around if they've really resonated with you and you know someone who will benefit from hearing them, share it with them. Now, there are people in your life whose lives we could really make a difference to, but we'll never get that opportunity if you don't introduce us. So make sure you take that step to just share the podcast with them, spread it around and help us impact yet another life. I'm so, so honored that you spend your time with us Uh, in this podcast. It does mean the world to me and it is an expression of BU's vision to positively impact one trillion lives starting with self. And so remember, until the next time we talk, make an impact and start with self.